How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Welcome to Locked On Bucks, presented by BrewHoop.com. I'm Eric Name, and as always, I'm joined by Frank Madden. And if you are listening to this, you've probably listened to parts one and two of this interview, but maybe not. So I'll introduce it anyways. This is part three of our interview with Brett Cormenis. He's a wonderful writer at Real GM. He's been at Grantland. He's been at Sports on Earth. He is a Bucks fan who has now moved to Arizona, and he does some player development with some some college guys, some D-leaguers, some NBA guys. So he is in player development. He just, just has a wealth of knowledge on NBA basketball. And since he's a Bucks fan, he pays special attention to the Milwaukee Bucks and really has some great stuff to say. So if you missed parts one or two, be sure to go catch those. But this is going to be part three, and I hope you enjoy it. One thing I wanted to ask, um, so Brett, as you were discussing the sort of antithesis of, uh, the Greg Monroe defender, the guy who, you know, runs around the court and, and pins, pins blocks against the, the, the backboard, I was immediately thinking of Miles Plumley, who ironically is also not the ideal sort of defensive anchor type guy because, you know, he certainly is also not a, a Marcus All, Andrew Bogut type perfect positional guy. Um, you know, Miles Plumlee is going on 28 years old. I think, uh, you know, in your post you alluded to it. I think Eric and I are, have said it a million times that, you know, we look at Plumlee as, as, you know, your best option as a starter, just given the sort of complimentary way that, um, you know, I, th- I think he can work with, uh, offensively and defensively with the other starters. Um, it's interesting, you know, looking at Bogut, Bogut was not a guy who came out of college as, somebody that we thought would be an all-NBA defender. You know, ironically, he was supposed to be this great offensive player and eventually cemented himself as a defense-first guy after all the injuries. Um, looking at a guy like Plumlee, uh, you know, defensively, his numbers have been – the kind of advanced metrics were pretty bad the last couple seasons. Uh, some of those lineups were pretty good sort of in the second half of last season. And I'm wondering, like, kind of what you thought. I mean, Henson, we know, sort of is – kind of the more obvious, like, well, he's a great shot blocker, so people think of him as the better defensive player. But when you look at Miles Plumlee, um, you know, do you see a guy who can become, is he an average defender, but maybe he complements your guys because of his mobility? Or kind of how do you think of him as, you know, a guy who very well may be a starter to this coming season? And is he a guy who you think is is good enough on that end that, that you know, you can build maybe a top 10 defense with Miles Plumlee as your starting center? Um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I think there are ways, um, you know, I think, I think Boston, uh, I have to, I have to look, but I think they finished sixth or seventh or maybe even higher than that in defensive efficiency last year. Um, and if you went through their stable of bigs, you know, outside of Amir Johnson, you know, they had very average defenders, but what saved Boston was they had some guys, you know, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, Smart that were just absolute terrors guarding the basketball. Um, so there are ways to take, you know, between scheme and complementary personnel to take a guy like Miles Plumley, who is, you know, is probably is what he is at this point, which is a, you know, average defender. You know, he's active, 
but he's not great positionally. He'll block you some shots, but he's not a DeAndre Jordan type to turn at the rim. Um, you know, there is ways to take that guy and elevate him into a top 10 defense, but you have to have a pretty specific marriage of, of personnel uh, and scheme. Um, you know, you have to have some guys that are really great on the ball that can get into players when they run pick and roll and kind of blow up screens before they even get to Miles Plumley. you know, sit on the back line. Um, and so, I mean, short answer, you can do that. You can build a top 10 defense around him, but the, I guess the best way to look at someone like Plumley is to realize, is to accept the fact that you're probably going to be maybe a top 15 defense at best when he's out there and then try to use what he is great at, which is the other end of the floor. He is a very willing screener, dive man who will roll hard every time. Um, you know, you see a lot of these bigs and there, you, you, if you really watch closely and, and you're, you're losers like me and you have to, and you watch this much film, a lot of big guys will do one of two things that will drive you crazy. And some of it is by design. So this isn't always on them, but they will either refuse to set a screen by slipping out and not putting the body on someone. And again, depending on the system and the coverage, sometimes that's by design. Or the other thing is they won't roll hard to the basket. Um, DeMarcus Cousins would be a chief offender of this one. And they just kind of hang out in that middle area where they're not really drawing any help. Um, and they're kind of waiting for the basketball because they want to shoot it or they want to put it on the deck or they want to show off whatever they have. Um, and so Plumlee has some warts on the defensive end. But what he can bring to you offensively is just a guy that is a blue-collar roll guy, finisher, um, you know, he's athletic enough to, to be a threat for a lob. Um, you know, he can finish in variety of ways. He's going to be really active and willing to come out after a possession dives to, to run back out and get into a second or third pick and roll and still dive hard that last time. Um, you know, again, it, it's nothing sexy. It's nothing that you look at a guy and go, what? Miles Plumlee is the greatest basketball player in the world because he does these. But holy cow, is that helpful um to making your offense work um i mean you you really like you really need to you know value guys that do that because if you look around the league i could probably not even name 10 guys that have the same type of commitment to those areas before the miles only has um and his synergy finishing numbers I, i remember i think i included them in the piece um but they were like outstanding like like some of the best in the league. And now some of that's now the way they collect synergy data is a little bit imperfect. You know, every, every stat has some, you know, holes from a um, conceptual standpoint that you can kind of point to him. but he is really good. I mean, it, it it's generally pointing in the right direction. Um, and I think that's what they need to, to accept is that if, if you're starting miles Plumley, you're going to give some stuff up on the defense of the floor but he is going to be so good for a pick-and-roll heavy-based attack offensively that you can kind of live with that. And so you're, you know, and this is something that, you know, I, uh, my guy my guy Mike D'Antoni would say, you know, if you're going to beat a team by five points, what's the matter if it's 95-90 or 115-110? Um, and that's kind of what you got to accept with Miles Plumley is that that score is going to be – you're going to be beating a team 115-110. You're still going to win by five points, but it's because you're really, really good offensively and okay defensively. Um, you know, and, and moving on from there, you know, the bigger question from that point is, oh, you, yeah, you can be a productive team and a winning team, 
is Miles Plumlee a championship caliber center if the Bucks have, you know, roughly the same personnel that they do around him now? That's the bigger question. Um, can they go deep into the playoffs with the guys? Miles Plumlee is a starter. Is he better? Is he a, a bench guy in a championship team? Um, you know, that, that's something that you got to see when they get to the playoffs and, and see how those limitations come up. Um, but, you know, from where I'm standing, they got a great one-two punch. They got a guy that can do some things defensively that isn't as great offensively in John Henson. And they got a really, really good active pick and roll finisher in Plumley uh, for the offensive end of the floor. So, I mean, you can kind of pick your spots there. All right, you just mentioned Henson, and earlier this summer we did this exercise on one of our podcasts where we gave every player on the team one skill that we thought could make them massively better. So it's a dream world, give them one skill that can make them better. So I guess the base of my question is, why isn't John Henson better? But I would just be curious what it is about John Henson that just doesn't allow him to take that next step. Like he, he does a lot of nice stuff by the rim. He blocks some shots, but what's holding him back from becoming that that center that I think everyone was kind of dreaming that he was going to be? You know, I, I think you know he just is kind of a victim of perception in a way. Um, you know, I think what what John Hanson is is he, he he's just a solid jack of all trades type guy. He, you know, he's a good shot blocker, but he's not a physical enough presence where he's going to be able to bang down low with a lot of the, the guys in the league and totally close off the paint. He's not that great from an awareness standpoint. He blocks shots around him, but it's not like he's the type of guy that's going to anticipate real well and, and cut off driving lanes before they happen, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, he's going to be above average on defense, but he lacks the tools, you know, whether it's physically, cause, cause, you know, the other thing with Hanson too is, um, he doesn't move all that well. Like he's athletic and he's long, but he doesn't have great, um, I guess, agility and mobility. Um, you know, so he's not super fluid as an athlete. You know, that's why he doesn't get on the rim real well, like on top of the rim really quickly when he dives on a pick and roll. You know, it's why, you know, his blocks are more attributed to his length than any, you know, insane vertical jump. Um, you know, and, and so he just has, this kind of mixed match of things that I think top him out at just, at just being good. He's a good rebounder, you know, in area rebounder because of his length. He can block some shots. He's not great positionally. You know, he can dive on the pick and roll and finish with the dunk every once in a while and maybe some of those little half hooks that he gets to, especially with his left hand. Um, but he's not a guy that you're worried about diving hard immediately, slipping out of the screen and getting on top of the rim. Um, you know, and then outside of that, he's not, he doesn't have any any type of jumper outside of 15 feet, so he can't be a short roll guy. Can't really handle it and put it on the deck. He doesn't have the anchor to be a post up guy to post ups like any mismatches. Um, so you can switch on him and, and kind of live with it. And he's a, you know he's a good rebounder, but he's not like a terrorizing Tristan Thompson type you know offensive rebounder uh, that's going to really like scare teams that he's out there and make them put a body on him and and have to respect him in that regard. Um, you know, in, in my mind, I mean, if you have a, a five man that could switch on to any of the Bucks ones, or you know, in this case, Giannis, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind switching everything and daring the Bucks to post up John Hansen against a six foot one guard. You know, every possession, um, I think that's a win over the long term for my team if you do that. Um, you know, he'll hurt you on some nights when that little jump hook's going that he's got, but you know, for the most part, it's just not something that he's gonna, he's gonna hurt you on. Um, 
And, and I think that's why. I mean, I think, you know, it, <laughs> and, he, and he did burst onto the scene a little bit too, which I think hurt him um, when he first came out when he was a younger kid, you know, and I think John Hammond even came out. I, I was in Milwaukee still at the time and said something like, you know, this kid's untouchable, like we're not going to trade him. And, um, you know, because he put up some nice numbers and he was a younger player. And so you're like, oh, here's all this upside. Um, but I think, you know, the thing with Henson is that there really wasn't, anything other than drastic changes to his body, um, you know, to move better and be a little bit more explosive and a little bit more fluid that we're going to increase from what he did his first year. Um, and that's kind of what keeps him at that, you know, above average in a lot of ways, it, you know, never a guy that's going to hurt you, never a guy that you're out there and you're saying, man, like this guy's absolutely going to going to bottom your team on one end of the floor or the other. But he's also a guy that just doesn't have that one trait that really makes him elite at something. I think one interesting question, especially with regard to a guy like Henson, is, um, you know, what role Thon Maker might have this season and obviously kind of long-term moving forward. And um, I think when you look at the Bucks roster overall, they've got um, a lot of guys who are young and interesting, like Maker, Malcolm Brogdon, Rashad Vaughn, Tyler Ennis. You can argue varying degrees of interesting at this point. Uh, but I think probably... Probably that's one of the big questions about them is, you know, they have a lot of like guys who, you know, a lot of fans would like to see play, but from an overall kind of depth and helping you win now perspective, I think there's some huge questions about whether they have the depth to really, um, you know, rely on some of those guys for, for minutes now. Um, if you put on your, your kind of player development guy hat, which, um, you, you wear most days, obviously, but it, when you watch some of those guys from what you've seen, obviously Maker, we haven't seen him in, in real live NBA play. We've seen him, um, you know, in the summer league and, and we saw obviously Rashad Vaughn have a very difficult first year. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, a, you know, much more kind of known quantity, even though he's a rookie. Uh, Tyler Ennis is kind of, Finally got a little bit of run, kind of second half of last season, but obviously a guy who, um, you know, had a, had a really nice freshman year at Syracuse and has sort of been kind of struggling to find his place since then. You know, when you kind of look at these guys and you can pick, pick any of them that, that might kind of jump out at you, but, um, you know, as a, as a development focused guy, you know, guys need to be working on and, you know, do, do any of them kind of jump at you, out at you as, as guys who might develop, you know, enough of those skills to, to make a difference, you know, in this next season or two? Um, well, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a stock answer and it's boring, but, um, every single one of those guys needs to be able to shoot the basketball off the catch really, really well, um, with what's around them right now with, with Middleton and, and Giannis and Jabari Parker. Um, they're just never going to have the role where they need to worry about having the ball in their hands a lot, especially in, in meaningful games at the end of the games. Uh, you know, maybe Tyler Ennis to a degree you know, has that ability and that upside where he can be, uh, you know, kind of one of those guys, uh, you know, maybe in like a Jose Calderon type mold. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about Jose Calderon. He, he shot it really well off the catch and off the dribble. Um, he, you know, still does. Um, that, that's what earned him a, a nice deal a few years ago. Um, has kept him in the league. Uh, you know, Rashad Vaughn is pretty – he's an open and shut case for, for him as a young guy. Um, you know, and this is me knowing nothing about him. But the number one thing just has to be his commitment to the game. Uh, you know, he's a, a 19, 20 year old kid with a lot of money. Um, does he take, does he take this shit seriously? Uh, would be the first thing, you know, and the second part of that would be that kid just needs to be able to shoot the basketball. His only concern is, is to be able to just shoot, just be able to hit spot up shots. Um, that, that was supposed to be his thing. He really struggled in that role last year. 
Uh, there's nothing scarier than, you know, for me as like maybe a front office guy, if I'm, if I'm in that mold, um, of drafting a shooter that can't shoot it. Um, his career is going to hang on, you know, can he knock down an NBA three pointer consistently? Uh, and then he can build his game off of that. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, to, to another degree, again, you know, you know, with Brogdon and, uh, Thon Maker, you know, those two guys, again, are going to be complementary players. And when you talk about complementary players, the number one thing they need to do is be able to shoot it off the catch. Um, you know, and until they do that, it's hard to squeeze value out of the other things that they do well. Um, you know, Thon Maker to me is obviously the most interesting of the group. Uh, he's kind of the answer to the question, what do you do when the Warriors go small? Um, you know, you can envision a Bucks lineup with, uh, you know, a Del Vadova or a Carter Williams with a, a Middleton, a Parker, a Giannis, and a Thon Maker at the five, and you can switch all those positions and you can kind of cancel out all the fancy stuff that teams can run um, because all those guys can switch onto something and not, you know, be totally out of their, you know, uh, out of their element. I mean, obviously Steph Curry is going to make anybody look foolish from time to time. Um, but, you know, to me, when I, the, the way that I see the game, the thing that, that, that we plan for as independent player development guys, the thing that scares me the most as a coach is how do I beat a team that switches everything and switches without, um, like egregious mismatches? Um, and that is to me is what Thon Maker can turn the Milwaukee Bucks into is, you know, especially if Parker can become passable on the ball. Uh, when you face a lineup like that, how, what do you run to beat it? Uh, it just makes the, a team so tough defensively. Nothing scares me more than a team that can switch really, really well. Um, and then, you know, for that to work, obviously, though, like you have to have guy, you know, Maker's got to be able to shoot it well. Parker's got to be able to shoot it well. Carter Williams has got to be able to shoot it well. I mean, you can't just run out a team that can switch everything on defense and then come down and then have no offensive credibility whatsoever. Um, but that is – the interesting thing of Thon Maker is he really is a kid that can push the Bucks and be a complimentary piece, but make them one of these futuristic teams, um, you know, where it, it affects what you run against them. Because when that lineup is on the floor, the way they defend and the way those guys can guard multiple spots and snuff out all those actions by switching everything, it is, it is really tough to game plan against that from a team standpoint. It's something that as player development guys, we have to watch very closely to see how much it starts happening in the league because it'll affect how we divvy out our training. Um, you know, because we're very, you know, especially with our guards, we're very pick and roll dominant with our bigs. We're very dominant in pick and roll finishing, stuff like that. Uh, but if we start switching, you know, we have to have a game plan for when our clients come into town of what teams are doing and what skills they'll need to beat those switches. And that's to me, is what Thon Maker represents not only for the Bucks, but like across the league is, is when you start getting those lineups with these interchangeable pieces of guys that have these, you know, multi-skilled approaches offensively that can trade assignments defensively. Those are the toughest lineups <laughs> for me to be a defensive player like a DeAndre Jordan out there. And you can probably run some stuff that can get you some decent shots. Um, but, I mean, when you're switching everything and nobody's got an advantage, it stalls out an offense and you're relying on stagnant individual points, and that's tough. Um, and so that's why for, for Thon Maker, you know, his ability to, to just 
except even though it was a lottery pick, except the fact that he's coming into a team where he's never going to be the star. Um, he's got three guys way ahead of him on the pecking order and to try to build his game accordingly and not to be worrying about, you know, elbow face up moves and post up shit instead of just simply I'm going to spend my time after practice and I'm going to get 150 makes or 200 makes from three, you know, every day, every day after, after our first morning session in training camp, I'm going to come back at night on days on afternoons we have off and I'm going to make another hundred shots, whatever it is. You know, that's the thing that that kid's gotta, gotta be his number one focus. You know, him, actually all those kids could, should just get together as a group and that should be their thing as they come back every night to the cousin center and they, they go get shots up, um, and stay dedicated because with, with everything else the Bucks have around them, that is their quickest path to playing time, their quickest path to earning money in this league. Um, and then their quickest path into making Jason Kidd go, we have to play this kid because he shoots the basketball really well and that's what we really need. Thanks, Brett, so much. Um, I think this was a, a really great, great way to kind of set the table for uh, the season that can't get here soon enough. I, I forget what the the countdown is uh, at this point, um, but uh, I'm man, I'm fired up, Brett. I wanna, I wanna watch NBA basketball again. You got me, you got me charged up here. Again, thanks so much, Brett Coromenis. Um, again, you can read Brett's stuff at Real GM. Um, unfortunately, we, you know, he, he does real basketball training and, and coach. So, uh, so we have to share him with, uh, with that and, and we can't necessarily read him as much as we might want. But, uh, uh, look forward to, to Brett writing and, and, and covering the Bucks, uh, this season and, uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be able to talk about the Bucks in a couple months. Brett, maybe we can, uh, check in on some of these topics then. All right. That sounds good, guys. Anytime you guys do a hell of a job. So I'm always happy to come on and talk basketball with y'all. All right. Thanks, Brett. Well, we'll stop it there. I think, uh, I just probably recorded two podcasts worth, so I'm probably saying goodbye on uh, uh, part two here at this point. But uh, once again, thanks for listening. Uh, for Eric Name, I'm Frank Madden, and we'll be back very soon with more Locked on Bucks presented by BrewHoop.com.